comics, movies, music, video games, technology, Blu-ray, television. This is the HHW LOD Podcast Network. Mr. Stark. Yeah? Agent Coulson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from the uh, Strategic Homeland the... Intervention right, Enforcement yeah. Logistics Division. God, you need a new name for that. Yeah, I hear that a lot. That's being handled. That's what we do. Just call us sheep. Welcome to the Shield Podcast, where we set you up for the next big episode. I guess does that sound about right? Yeah, close enough. <laughs> That's pretty much um, how I felt with this episode. I mean, some stuff happened, but it's kind of just gearing us towards part two. Yeah, I, I'd agree. I almost wish that, in general, this would have been just a two-hour episode, and they made like a big event out of it, and maybe that would have attracted more viewers. Yeah. Yeah, and we need more viewers, which uh, we'll get to in one second. Uh, of course, this is John. I have with me tonight Russell. How we doing? Good. We're uh, we're short Bradley tonight. He's uh, got those work conflicts that we're uh, that we're working around. Hopefully, he'll be back soon. And uh, this episode was the bridge, which was a part one. We have we had a little break, and. Um, I think you kind of fault the ratings problems with the break. Yeah, I do. I do. And it just seemed like an unnecessary break because we're past the Thanksgiving holiday. So it just kind of seemed weird on December um, uh, that early to have another break. I mean, basically, you know, December 3rd was a break, um, but the week of Thanksgiving was not. So it was just kind of kind of strange um and I, I we kind of talked a little bit about this before we went on the air and i, I really think that they're kind of training people and, and i don't think shield is or agents of shield is guilty of this by itself i think a lot of shows are especially genre shows where they take these mid-season breaks on network television and i think people just aren't used to that you know they're used to watching tv from start to finish with maybe a break you know maybe thanksgiving there's a break maybe christmas there's a break but in general there's not these long skips and i mean we're we're here now so the show the last episode of course was uh december 10th and we're not going to get another episode until january 7th and i think the longer you go between episodes like that the more you're training people to either forget about it or to just say screw it i'm just going to wait till it comes on netflix or hulu well, in this case, Hulu right away, but Netflix or Amazon or the Blu-ray set or whatever, uh, and pick it up then instead of getting in the habit of weekly watching um, the show. Yeah, and I guess we should backtrack a little bit. What we're talking about is basically the show had its strongest ratings after repairs, uh, which was the last episode that we covered, and came back after this break with the part one of The Bridge and uh, it dumped about 0. .5 in the in the ratings. It went from I think it was a after the adjustments a, a two six to a two one. Yeah, that's right. 
And that's a pretty legitimate drop. I mean, a 2-6 puts you in the ballpark with NCIS and, you know, what else is doing really well? Biggest Loser and The Voice, some of that stuff, yeah. Well, actually, yeah. I mean, actually, uh, The Biggest Loser is only doing a 1-9 right now, so maybe the shine's starting to wear off on, uh, on that premise. But the two NCIS shows that are on... On Tuesdays as well, uh, they're in that two nine three zero range. So when Shield was doing a two six, that's you know that's in the ballpark. Um, and unfortunately, for whatever reason, maybe it was the break. Uh, you know, we're down to a two point one again. Yeah, it's definitely it's kind of sad that it's it's trending down. You know, certainly. I mean, I, I think some of this is is natural. I'm hoping maybe a little bit of good word of mouth over the break. Maybe they'll they'll show a couple reruns that might get people reengaged. Um, and so who knows what's going to happen? Maybe they'll make a big push, you know, over the next month for the the January seventh episode. And and you know it's all relative. Um, a two one is better than a ton of stuff that's on TV. Oh yeah, you know we've talked about this many times, but. You know, ten or fifteen years ago, this show would have been canceled after like episode three. <laughs> it would have been, you know, put put on the shelf and canned, um, never to be seen again. But you know, we live in a very different world these days, where two one is, you know, considered pretty much a home run. Yeah, yeah, and I think maybe we were hoping for a little more. You know, as big fans of Marvel and comics and the whole uh, media universe that they've created, but it's still a solid outing. I mean. You know, I'm just I'm looking at the Goldbergs, which is considered a pretty popular new show on ABC at nine o'clock. Um, that did a one six. Yeah. And uh, you know, I don't know. I, I guess there aren't many other good examples on Tuesday night, but you know, I think anything. I, we always thought this show was safe for the very many reasons that we've given it. You know, a thousand times, but uh, you know, anything two and up is is pretty safe anyway. Yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with that. Um, bear with me one second. I'm looking at ratings for uh, Arrow just to do some comparison. Okay, here we go. So the ratings for Arrow. This is the the show. This is the episode that aired December 11th because we like to do a little comparison with Arrow for a variety of reasons. Um, obviously, CW much lower expectations. It's at a one one. And I think right. um, that episode, it was down a little bit from the week before, but I think that, that this season, if I'm not mistaken, has been kind of like a ratings bonanza for Arrow so far. Like these last few episodes have ticked up pretty well. And so for that to be, for CW to be very happy with it to the point of full order, spin off another show, possibly talking about a third show, a show on Fox for a show that's getting, that's, I said show a lot, but... Um, a 1.1 is pretty crazy. Yeah, and the CW um, has become sort of notorious for that sort of thing. I mean, they've kept Nikita alive for four seasons, barely hitting a one. Yeah. And I'm, you know what? I'm not sure that CW is available on all of the providers that the uh, major networks are. I know that when I was a Verizon subscriber, we did not get the CW, and that could have been resolved since then. That was a couple of years ago, so that could have all been resolved since then. But, but it's pretty crazy given that you're in a pretty major market. I mean, you're you're not like in Hoboken or something like that, you know? Right, right, 
No offense to Hoboken. We'd like to apologize in advance. Yes, yes, yes. Save the emails. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, we hope, uh, you know, we hope this turns around a, a little bit. And, and I mean, I think this mid-season two-parter is a big part of that plan. So, you know, maybe we can begin that way. I, I, I was a little... I don't want to say underwhelmed. Like, I liked a lot of the things that went on in this episode. And, you know, it has a couple of different cliffhangers, which are cool. But I thought it took a step back. Like, some of the some of the things that have annoyed me about this show, and I thought they had gone away, they all sort of came back this episode. I didn't... I guess I didn't notice it that much. I, I guess my overall complaint about this episode is, like you said, it just seems like we got... a you know, 42-minute episode, and not a lot seemed to happen. I mean, we got, you know, a little bit of action in the beginning, a little bit of action maybe two-thirds of the way through, and then, you know, all to lead us to kind of where we got at the very end of the episode. And, I, I, again, I think if they would have either maybe compressed the next two into one or made it more of an event, it wouldn't have seemed as slow as it was. Um, right. But, I, but from a character perspective, uh, I, I think it's, it's definitely... Mo- I, I was a little disappointed. I think Fitz and Simmons kind of took a little bit of a backseat this episode. Uh, I think Sky wasn't as annoying as she was in, in the past. I mean, the stuff with her and May was, was pretty good, as, as we'll get to. Um, but overall, I wasn't really that disappointed. I guess maybe then, I guess maybe I'll address a couple of things uh, that annoyed me. And, uh, you know, maybe your take will change my mind or, or maybe uh, you'll agree with me. One of the things that we thought was cool was the reveal uh, a few episodes ago when Melinda May left her door open for for Ward. And it was like, oh, you know, they have this secret thing going on. And, you know, it was kind of cool that we really had no clue about it before. And it totally made sense that they'd sort of have this not spoken about, you know, connection and thing going on. And since then, they've beat us over the head with it every show. Yeah, yeah, that, that no, I do agree with you there. And and that did feel out of place. I mean, when she got really angry about the fact that he, you know, he took that hit for her and it, it was just a little too, like, Given the fact that the previous two episodes they haven't really addressed it in that manner for it to be so blatant here, yeah, I, I agree. It definitely stuck out for me. They haven't blatantly addressed it in the last two, but they've showed something regarding it. So if we went right. from having no clue about it, then they snuck it in, and now every episode it's becoming like an escalating issue. You know, I, I just, it seemed a little forced to me, and it was like something that I liked a little mystery in. Like, oh, is that a regular thing, or is that like a one time thing, or an every once in a while thing? And now it's just like, you know, it's become an issue. And I guess to stick with Melinda, you know, I felt like we were getting somewhere with her character, and she played the little joke on, uh, fits with the i don't know what they do they put whipped cream on his hand when he was sleeping yeah, at the end of yeah yeah I'm, I'm right so it seemed like she was coming around a little bit and it seemed like this show we stepped back to the totally somber serious like wooden 
Melinda May. Yeah, I think she was a little too... And, and you know, I think when we talk about her and Sky's interaction, the same thing. Like, it was a little off-kilter, like a little too far the other way. And, and again, I think I think an important part of her character becoming a lot more likable is the fact that she, as, as a person, becomes more likable in the show. I think this kind of hard-assed, uh, stoic thing is just going to wear thin. Like, if we're at episode 16 or 17, and she's still, you know, that way, it's it's going to, to me, it, I think they're really doing Ming-Na a disservice as, as an actress by not letting her kind of, you know, expand and grow. I mean, I wouldn't say anybody can stand there and be stoic and have that mean look on their face, because not everybody can pull it off. But at some point, you got to let her you know, be an actress and, and, and take on and make the role her own. Right. And, and I guess the next, again, to sort of piggyback and continue the thought, while Sky wasn't as bad as a few of the first episodes where she really annoyed me, it, it kind of annoyed me again that she did the bounce back. Like now she's back to the all I really want out of this is to find out about my parents. It's not so much, again, the acting or the writing. It, it's just that I wish they would start to set her character on a path where she's maturing out of that or becoming part of the team. You know, instead, her always harping back on that, it just seems to, it's got the character in like a holding pattern, and I don't like the spot that she's in now. Yeah. And I just don't care, Russ. Like, do you care when they were, when May and Coulson were talking about, we can't tell her the truth, or, you know, they decided they're going to lie to her or whatever. Like, do you even care what her deal with her parents is? Like, it just, it seems so low stakes compared to the other stuff that they are dealing with. I agree with that. I, I definitely agree that it's lower stakes. As far as caring or not, I. I think it adds an element of something interesting with her character and maybe why Coulson wants her around or wants her to be a part of the team and try and grow. I think given this centipede thing that they've, they've kind of going, got going throughout the story, I think if they would keep that as like a very, like that's the long thread, like that part may not play out for until season two or maybe even season three and they keep threading it along when when the other action dies down. But given that the centipede thing kicked back up again, for them to put as much emphasis and have her be whiny about it this episode, I thought was not the right direction to go. Right. I mean, overall, I think I'm I'm intrigued by it because I think whatever this is is gonna is gonna be the turn for her character. I think I really think that's what's gonna put her on a path to be more likable and more a part of the team and maybe maybe the writers will use that as a crutch to kind of give that character a turn because something I mean we talked about it before something I think something has to give with her they have to either either make her change to where she's not so irritating or cut her loose yeah and I really maybe I'll do some positives now I always, I really did like the centipede soldiers. I thought it was really cool that like they're extra jacked up, like they have yes. the uh, 
they had the nodes on their back and on both arms and, uh, you know, various other places and stuff. I thought that was cool. I'm interested in the clairvoyant. Yes. You know, that, that whole scenario. I thought that was good. I loved Michael becoming an agent. Like, I was really hoping, and I guess we'll get to the cliffhangers uh, eventually, but I was hoping that Michael was going to become a regular agent. Like, I thought having a super-powered agent on the team, you know, would be pretty cool. Yeah. And I don't know that it's necessarily not going to happen. I mean, it seems kind of like a red herring. Yeah, yeah. That he might be dead or, you know, that seriously injured. But, um, and I did like them referring back to uh, the other agent with the um, the, the secret eye. Uh, Aquila. Not secret. Aquila yes. Amador. Right, Aquila Amador. That, you know, that would be cool if, if she ever came back or, you know, had something more to do with things. So definitely some positives as well. I just, uh, a few of those character moments... Um, I tell you one thing that bothers me too, and this is probably I might have a keener eye to it because, as Russ knows, and uh, I don't know how many Shield listeners know, I'm an avid martial arts uh, movie viewer, <laughs> and um, the actor who plays Grant Ward, I'm not an avid, I'm not avid, an avid rememberer of names. Brett but, Dalton. Um, yes, thank you. He cannot fight. <laughs> and it's very glaring when he's sparring with Melinda May, who can fight. Yeah. It reminded me of, like, old Buffy reruns. Uh, yeah. <laughs> the the choreography is not good with um, when they need to use Grant in the shot, you know, when they, when they don't have the opportunity to get a double in there for him. Um, it was kind of glaring to me. Again, probably a nitpick on my end. Um, Brett Dalton does a pretty good job. I'm happy with him on the show, but it, it stood out to me that he really can't fight. Yeah, and I th- I think that's one of the criticisms we kind of had about the show from the beginning is the fighting is a little stilted, a little um, stiff, and especially when we compare it to again, not to keep eating that horse, but when we compare it to things like Arrow, where it seems a little grittier, a little more street level. Um, a little less like it's it's overly choreographed and 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 you know overly orchestrated. Yeah, yeah, I agree. They're going for you know again. This is a television show. They're going for like that that ballet looking choreography that you know is used for movies, and they have months and months to work out every scene and exactly every move. You know, these are probably moving pretty fast. It's probably like, all right, I'm going to throw a punch, you duck, you know, you go for the leg sweep, etc. And it's just not coming off as smoothly. You know, and he's a good physical presence. I just don't think he's had enough training or whatever to pull off um, martial arts scenes. And especially, again, not with Ming-Na. Right, right. Which is a big factor. I mean, if you get two guys that are sort of not trained, they can they can do like the slugfest thing and hit each other in the stomach or whatever, and it'll all look okay. You know, but she's a martial artist to some extent. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So it's kind of cool. I mean, at the beginning we get Edison Poe back, um, who we know that uh, now that we know her name is Raina, the girl in the flower dress was visiting at, uh, in in prison at the end of the the previous episode or uh, several episodes back, so it's kind of cool to see a lot of things came back in this episode. I mean, we get Edison Poe back, we get the we get Raina back, we get Mike we get Mike back, 
Um, right. The kid back, you know, we get we get a lot of callbacks uh, to previous to, to things that previously happened. Aquila Amador. I mean, it, it definitely felt like they were trying to to tie all this stuff together and just make sure that people, hey, don't forget about these people that have all appeared in this show to this point because it's probably going to be a bigger deal moving forward. Um, I mean, this episode was titled The Bridge, and I don't know about you, but I really, and based on, and part of this is based on the previews I've seen for, and I think those previews were not just the next episode, but I think there were at least a couple or several episodes down the road. And it, it and, and we've all seen, you know, cleverly edited trailers, so it's hard to say, but it almost seems like this episode is, and I'm really hoping this is true, is kind of a turning point. Um, there's a lot of things it seems like they're focusing on uh, in the next set of episodes that lean towards maybe a little bit of a darker tone, a little more action-oriented, a little bit more of the team kind of, uh, you know, pulling up their big boy pants. Right. Yeah, I mean, besides, you know, it seemed so ham-fisted. The only thing I could come up with for the bridge was, I guess, Grant was shooting at them from the bridge. Or they met on a bridge, I guess, right? For the for Yeah, the, yeah uh, that's where the exchange was. Yeah. So it would make sense if that was actually code for a bridge to, you know, something else metaphorically. Right, right, yeah. Did you think, uh, and this is silly anyway, but did you think J. August Richards looked thinner? Yes. Yes, I, th- I thought it was just me. He looked either thinner or older. I mean... I don't know if he's been working out or training or, or you know, just on a strict diet or something like that, but he definitely looked like he lost about 15 pounds since the previous episode. Yeah, and, and you know what? It could have been, you know, now he's in the suit, which is form-fitting and everything, and I guess in the first episode he was, like, in a hoodie and, you know, street clothes and stuff, so but even maybe his face. it seemed a little more. What's that? Even his face. Like, he just looked. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Definitely. And and that was a cool moment at the beginning of the episode when Coulson decides, okay, he's going to go get Mike to recruit him on the team. And we see, you know, him pushing that bulldozer in that shield training facility. So that was kind of cool. Um, you know, he asked if he beat Captain America's time. Uh, and the guy, you know, the trainer or the, or the coach or whatever was telling him no. So I think that, you know, the, those kind of callbacks are, are, are kind of funny and not like way over the top or way in your face. Um, so that was cool. And then when Colson tells him, you know, put up the bull, I want you to put up the bulldozer, um, or put the bulldozer back and suit up. I just, uh, we talked about that at the end of last episode, the whole suit up thing, which is a, you know, big, that was kind of the, the line in the Avengers that they kept telling each other, you know, it's time to suit up or, you know, go suit up or whatever. So I thought that was a, that was a cool, very subtle callback from the Avengers. Right. And I, I did not see, the twist coming with Michael, which is a good thing, you know, him actually handing over Coulson. Yeah, no, I didn't. I, you're right. I didn't see. I didn't see that either. I didn't expect them to go that route. But I wonder if this is going to be like the 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 opposite of the Avengers, right? I mean, Coulson was the Coulson's death was the catalyst in the Avengers for them to pull together and act like a team and to get the job done. And I wonder if Coulson's disappearance in the show is going to be what pulls his team together. Um, you know, I, I guess in, in the end we'll get a little bit into spoilery territory for previews and stuff, but it certainly seems like that's what may be going on. 
Right. They made a really big deal, at least in the writing, or uh, with Mike with his carrot with his character being so like humble. Like you know, he's so gracious to be a part of the team, and he was you know he really wants to you know g- give it his best try, and he's distancing himself with his son um, and all that. I, it just seemed a little. That seemed a little over the top. Like, I get him being kind of humble, given the fact that he was, you know, quote-unquote, the bad guy of the pilot. Um, but it just seemed like they were trying really hard to, to push that point across. Yeah, and th- there was one line where I believe Sky comes to visit him, and they're talking about his son, and he looks right at Sky, and he's like, I'd do anything for that little boy. Something like that. It was yeah. an eye-roller, boy. I was like, whoa, laying it on a little thick. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. You know, I don't. I may have to start blaming Chloe Bennett soon. <laughs> I mean, I mean, you know, I. <laughs> at some point, you have to. I guess you have to question the, uh, the actress. Right. Uh, one of the things they, they talked about was uh, when they were they're trying to track down Hayward, um, the, who was one of the extremist guys that they, they were able to, to kind of get a match on. And he was ex-military. Um, he was outfitted with this uh, Caterpillar technology, um, which, of course, is based on extremists and Fitz and Simmons. Oh, that's that's one thing we forgot to mention early on is is Mike is stabilized like his. He doesn't need to take injections or, you know, do anything crazy. And it turns out that the gun that he was shot with um, in the head at, in the in the pilot episode actually stabilized his condition. So, um, really, Fitz and Simmons, that was kind of a cool moment where they got to take credit for uh, for, for stabilizing the extremists, whether, whether they fully intended to do that or not. Um, right. And so that's a big uh, bone of contention with, you know, with, with the Caterpillar group is they haven't quite figured that part out yet. Um, but, the, but the guy Hayward is, comes from a military, he's former military. And I, I just thought that kind of fit in too with the extremist thing in Iron Man three, for those of you that haven't seen it, and I'm sure there's probably none of you or not many of you that haven't, um, all of the extremist candidates who were all military. I mean, that was their, their focus were, were either military or ex-military that they used, uh, the extremis on to either regrow limbs or to to repair damaged tissue or whatever. So I thought that was kind of a nice, again, another nice callback and a nice way to kind of um, fit things together that match what we've seen in the movie universe. Yeah, and I like the uh, the lottery bit that they did. Yeah, with to, the card to get her to call her brother. And and so the cool track them. Yeah, and the cool thing was. They pretty much knew it wasn't going to work. 
Like it wasn't. It it was really corny and really lame. And they pretty much admitted, yeah, this is corny and lame, and it's probably not going to work. But if nothing else, it's going to get him. It's it it's it's going to get her to call him so we can get a location, which is all we want to do anyway. So right. So yeah, that was. And the- I was sure when they pulled away in Lola. And they said, is he local? And, you know, the answer was, no, he's in Oakland, California, or something like that. I was sure that Lola was going to take off. Yeah, I was a little disappointed we didn't get to see Lola fly, but... oh, well. It wouldn't have made sense. You know, there were people around. It was the middle of the day, like that type thing. But uh, it still would have been cool. Yeah, no, I agree. They brought up the cellist, too. Yes. You know, Coulson made a big point of talking about the cellist, who we know from the Avengers, you know, with, with, at the very beginning of the Avengers, when he goes to visit Tony Stark and um, Pepper Potts, they make note of the cellist, and then after he dies, um, Tony says something to Steve Rogers, Captain America, about, you know, that he thinks he was seeing a cellist, um, and, and then he even kind of comments, you know, like, the reason I didn't go back to her was, you know, the Avengers thought I was dead, I pretty much, you know, I... I, I probably should have kept it that way and he was trying to keep a low profile so again i I think they're getting more subtle in the in the avengers references and not so overt or they don't seem so out of place like that that seemed like a normal conversation to have not a hey we're going to force in an avengers reference right here right yeah i agree that's a that's a better way to go about it so we find out that reyna the girl in the flower dress is the one who recorded recorded who recruited Mike into the the centipede program, which we obviously didn't know in the pilot. So that was, you know, again, they're kind of tying these things together little by little. Yeah. There was a bit um, right after after they met, make mention of that where they say that basically centipede has to keep moving their location like every two to three days. So it's it's like this portable lab that they have to keep moving around because shield is able to kind of hack their technology and to to kind of follow them around uh and do stuff and it was kind of funny it just it just reminded me like breaking bad it's almost like uh you know walter white's uh pest control meth operation yes. <laughs> where they you know they have the <laughs> the enclosed room that they move from house to house to house i don't know it just uh it just kind of made me think of that vamanos centipede yes yes the other thing they keep mentioning in in this show and this isn't the first time that it's come up in this episode but it came up several times in this in this episode uh was especially from colson is the notion that psychics are a myth like you know in a world of you know people with superpowers and advanced technology and aliens and everything else like he firmly does not believe that psychics are are real in any way shape or form and they even made a comment you know like you know psychics are a myth and I, I can't remember if it was Sky or if it was um, Fitz or Simmons that said, "Oh, like Thor." You know, Thor was considered a a myth at one point, and you know, he's he's real. Um, so it's it's interesting that that's the case. And I know um, in the show that w- there's been a few times where we thought somebody had actual real superpowers, and it turns out to be either technology or this extremis or whatever. So I'm really curious um, as to the reveal of the psychic. And if if it's truly somebody that's psychic, or if it's tech, or if it's another alien, or what? Do, do you have any like thoughts, or um, is there anybody like on your short list from the comics maybe that you think is is the psychic? 
No, there's nobody on my short list. You know, but it's funny because now that we've established as guardians as aliens, there's real, or they've established as guardians as aliens, I, I should say. There's really no supernatural in this universe. Everything's tech based, like you said. You know, if you count aliens as tech based or, you know, uh, an alien tech, anyway, you know, there's really no supernatural elements. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've, they've tried, they've tried to ground it. Uh, as much as possible. I know we've we've had some folks email and and talk about you know the the fact that Doctor Strange is kind of on the short list, um, you know. So there's there's that out there. Um, so I'm I'm curious to to see if that holds. Um, I had kind of an off the wall theory on who the psychic may be, um, and of all the movies so far that they've made reference to on the show. And even in the Marvel universe in in general, I mean, since they they started this thing, it started with Iron Man and, and the Incredible Hulk, and I think the Incredible Hulk has been a movie that they're they kind of are sort of trying to maybe sweep under the rug because you know it was Ed Norton and it was Liv Tyler, and it even though Robert Downey Jr. made an appearance in there, and they and they you know they haven't discounted it, but they haven't embraced it either. Um, there there was a bit in. Uh, in the Incredible Hulk, where Tim Blake Nelson, who played a character called Samuel Stearns, um, had had an was part of of, of a gamma experience or something gamma related at the end, and we saw his head kind of stretch out, and there was a lot of talk that he that was basically kind of a a, a precursor to him becoming the leader, who was a big gamma powered. Hulk villain that had kind of this crazy, you know, elongated head with a brain that was like super, super huge. And he, he was really smart. I wonder if maybe the psychic, I, I was curious if maybe the psychic would be the leader. I know that's a bit of a stretch, but that's just something that kind of, kind of, uh, I mean, that's the kind of stuff I'm rooting for. I yeah. Mean, I just want Marvel characters involved more. So that would be really cool. And I don't think we're going to get another Hulk movie anytime soon. I think maybe one of the things they learned from the Avengers was the Hulk works great when he's paired up with other characters to play off of, but maybe not as interesting as a solo venture. Um, so so somebody like the leader might be kind of safe um, to pull in. So I don't know. That was just something, like I said, a kind of a stray thought I had, um, given that they're being very coy about who this psychic is. Yeah, my only guess would be Doctor Strange, but if he's lined up for a movie, they're not going to be touching that character. Yeah. And it would be interesting if there was supernatural elements and you brought in the you know, the story of trying to convince Coulson or him realizing that he was wrong, like, you know, that type of thing. Yeah, I mean, the the fact that he keeps making such a a big deal about it makes me think that that's going to play into it. Like the fact that he, he's protesting so much about psychics that at some point they're not going to find a way to make it legit. Uh, the other thing Colson mentioned when, when they kind of had the big showdown in the warehouse, which was kind of their big action piece for the episode, which 
um, you know, like you said, other than kind of the the stilted fighting in some some spots, was was kind of cool. I mean, seeing those guys push around these big, um, you know, con- uh, shipping containers and and uh, the fights, and then Mike getting stabbed with that steel rod, which I wasn't really expecting, you know, him to to be in any kind of real peril. Uh, so that was, you know, that was kind of interesting. Um, one one of them makes a comment that. I think it was Colson that says something about uh, if you just you know every time we destroy one of these facilities, another pops up, um, and it just kind of made me think of Hydra. You know, that's a whole big thing with Hydra. You know, right. cut off one head and two more grow. Um, and we've kind of speculated before that you know is this going to be tied into you know the centipede organization? Is it tied into Hydra or AIM or both or um, or what? So I I don't, like I said I don't know if that was intentional or if that was just you know me looking for something that wasn't really there. Right. No, again, I'm I'm hoping for for something like that. You know, I I have to think about the continuity of the movies and stuff and how it wouldn't or would work, but you know, why couldn't Centipede be Hydra? You know, there there must be I don't know, different branches or different uh I would assume, yeah. Yeah, you know, but but call it Hydra, you know, give us sure. an explanation of how it exists along with the other Hydra in the movies or whatever and, you know, win some more fans over. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Then, kind of at the end of that warehouse scene when they kind of capture the one guy, uh, I think it was actually Haywood that they they captured, um, and he was saying, oh, I'm not going to talk. They did this weird POV shot, and it seemed to come out of, like, left field. Like, it didn't fit right. And it, it seemed really odd when they were... I was like, why are they... That looks really cheap. Why are they filming it like that? And it kind of struck me as odd. Um, and then when they cut to the fact that they they turned him off like a switch, you know, kind of like they did in, in, in the, the previous episode with Akila uh, Amador, the eye, um, right. I was like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense. So that was actually kind of... You know, it was one of those things in retrospect, it turned out to be really cool um, because we were actually seeing what they were seeing on the monitor. Um but but like I said, as it was happening and I was watching it, I was kind of like, "What? That's just kind of weird." Yeah, that was cool. I did like that they brought in the uh, the kill switch in the eye again. You know, like we said before, just yeah. tying in a lot of previous stuff. Yeah, and they made a point too of saying um, that their tech is advanced because they just said, "You know, hey, can you track the signal like we did? You know, last time we jacked into the signal and we were able to kind of get a trace on it uh, and find out where it was broadcasting." They've done this a couple times where they show that the method they used the last time to foil the bad guys or to or to get in on it has changed. Like it's not just them falling back on the same old thing every time. So, what did you think about the? Uh, I guess we talked a little bit about the the ending. You know, not seeing that they were going to take Coulson um, instead of Mike, which was fine. I thought. I thought uh, Ward getting shot by the helicopter was kind of like after the fact. And I, and I thought it was weird that it didn't seem like anyone on the team saw it happen. Yeah, I thought that was odd too. You know, it was just kind of like he got shot as the helicopter went up and then they flashed us back to Sky and them and they seemed to definitely be more concerned about Coulson 
Yeah. Know, so you didn't get that frantic, we need to get up there and help Ward or, or anything. It was just kind of over. Yeah, and I guess maybe because he was so far out of, off the field that maybe they just didn't realize that he'd been shot, I, I guess. I mean, it. Yeah, I agree with you. It just seemed kind of odd. I was expecting them to at least, like, try to get him on the comm. Right, you know, right. After they were shooting at him on the bridge, they must have seen that. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, you know, uh-oh, we lost contact with Ward. You know, anything. Or have him say, "I've been guys, I've been hit, or I've been shot, or I'm down, or... You know something, because obviously it's not like a killing blow. Although, I guess I guess in the episode it wasn't extremely clear how bad or not he was hit. Like uh, you know, you, it's hard to say. I mean, it it definitely wasn't a headshot or anything like that. I mean, that was obvious, but right. And it was also sort of weird that like the helicopter came, you know, bottom screen up, and it's littering the bridge with bullets, and then all of a sudden he like takes one in the gut or wherever he yeah. got it. Like it just. It was just sort of uh, oddly shot, I guess. And, l- and like you were saying, so they, they do the whole Colson switch. Um, and then, you know, as Mike goes off to go get him, he, you know, he hands the kid off. And then we see that huge explosion with the two cars. Um, if if that's how he leaves, like if he's truly dead, then I'm going to feel really cheated. Because that was that was like really... It was really handled very cheesily. I mean, just like him running off, and then you see this big explosion, and then he would just be gone. So I, at this point, I would find it extremely hard to believe that he was killed in that. I, I think he's probably hurt really bad, but I don't see, I don't see him being killed from that explosion. Yeah, I'm hoping that he's really badly injured, and he needs a robotic arm or, <laughs> or something cool like that. You know? Yeah. Well. You know, we've seen from Iron Man that Extremis can grow limbs back and, you know, has all these crazy abilities, so... Uh, right, that's true, too. And, you know, it, it, not to spoil, if you haven't seen Iron Man 3, then, um, you know, you might want to forward 30 seconds, but, you know, at one point, Pepper Potts, you know, falls down and into the fire, and there's this huge explosion, and she comes out just fine, so... Now, granted, she was full-blown Extremis, they just have these kind of implants that, that either stabilize it or, or um, you know, control it a little bit, so... They may not be have it running through their bodies quite to the extreme that uh, the other folks did, but I, I, like I said, I would be surprised if he's gone for good. Right. And it could be a way for the writers to kind of leave themselves an out. You know, if if people maybe weren't responding to his character very well at all, then you know maybe they'll you know maybe it's like okay, well he's not working. We've got we've kind of got our out, so we don't have to go back to him, or we can go back to him way down the road if we feel we need closure. And if the audience is responding well, then you know they it's it's an obvious way to get him back in. So it it could just be one of those things, right? Uh, one of the other things, and this is kind of a pet peeve for me, and I don't know if you notice it, but it's something I notice, and and it's not just Agents of Shield, but that freaking ABC logo in the lower right corner just drives me berserk <laughs> the bullet you know the the overlay that they put on there yeah yeah I, I know exactly what you're talking about it's like and this it was like really obnoxious this week because they put like a snowflake thing around it so it seemed like it, it was i don't know it just seemed like five times bigger than it normally is and it just really bugs the hell out of me <laughs> i did notice it it didn't bother me so much but uh i did notice the snowflake and it was definitely bigger yeah it's just stuff like that just drives me crazy 
So what did you think overall? Overall, I liked it. I mean, I didn't like it as much as the previous episode, um, Repairs. Uh, I think it's definitely in the upper section of episodes, just because I think there's a lot of setup here. Uh, again, I think this is going to be a pivot point for the show, or at least I really hope hope it is. I mean, not that, again, not that it's a horrible show or that it needs this, oh my god, fast improvement or, you know, it, we're, you know never going to watch it again. But I really hope that this is a turning point for the writers, for the characters, uh, and for everything else to, to kind of make... To, to make a turn um and, and i'm hoping maybe if nothing else this break has has allowed them a little bit of gap in the schedule that maybe the first couple few episodes had aired or they gotten feedback on them before that the filming of maybe episode 11 um was complete or whatever so they were able to make some adjustments uh for the rest of the season you know figure out okay what are you know what are people what, what do we think and what do people think is working and what's not working um, and that maybe this break will give give a little bit of breather uh, for everything to kind of get set off on the right path. But I really feel like deep down that this is we're going to look back at the end of the season and go, yep, this is where it turned in the right direction. And from here, it was like kind of on a on an upward path uh, to to episode twenty two. So, I, I mean, I guess ratings wise, I guess I'll give it a four. I mean, it it was solid but not outstanding. I think there was a lot of good stuff. There wasn't anything really that that made me just like slap my forehead or roll my eyes or just want to chuck something at the TV or seem really off. But there wasn't a lot in this episode that really made me happy. Um, and I think a lot of it is just it wasn't a strong Fitz and Simmons episode. Um, and I think we've kind of you and I and Brad have kind of uh, gushed over over Fitz and Simmons. And I think every time they're not acting like themselves or take a prominent role in the episode, for me, it just seems like those are the ones that kind of take a step back. Right. Yeah, I, I agree with most of that. I'm going to knock it down a, a, another bit of a notch. I'm going to go 3.5. You know, just for me, it missed some of the marks that I really enjoy. Like, I've talked about it a lot. You know, I I've, I thought uh, Repairs was great, mostly because it had Ghost in it. So... I would like to see more of that. A few of the things that have annoyed me in the past about Melinda May and about Sky and about Ward sort of came back again this episode. I'm hoping that they straighten that out. But uh, I'll go. I'll go 3.5. Not bad. I'm interested in the cliffhangers. Uh, maybe you know we'll do our little spoiler section and, and talk about the preview and some of the things that we were shown really quickly. You know to talk about where this is probably headed for part two. But um, you know, not bad. I guess that's the best I could say about it. Yeah, I think it's fair. Uh, we'll edit. Do you... Oh, you can't play that voicemail because of the tech stuff. Forget where I'm Yeah, going. so I think maybe what we'll do... We got a month off. Maybe when we can get Brad for a night, maybe what we'll do is just do a... You know, give him a chance to kind of give his thoughts. Um, play a couple of these voicemails and maybe go over whatever news or feedback... Um, you know, comes in in between. Do we have any emails or Facebook comments or anything like that, Russ? Yeah, we got a little bit. Um, we got another email from Thomas, and I'll go ahead and read that. We could we could talk about that. Um, it says, "Hey, Shield Podcast, this was a great episode. It had less comedy and actual focus, interesting villains, and tension for the characters. They need to add J. August Richards to the cast. His character fit well on the team." 
I know Sky is supposed to be the Everman character for the audience, but I feel more of a connection to Mike Peters than I do Sky. Highlight of the episode was when May told off Sky and made Sky cry. I hope they solve who Sky's parents are a storyline quick because I don't care about their identity. I will be back in January when Agents of Shield returns. Yeah, I think uh, I think I'm pretty much in agreement. I don't care about Sky's parents, and I definitely think that Mike should. I mean, I, I I guess mm, I guess I should say I hope that uh, Mike is a regular cast member as well. Um, I don't know if he will be. Yeah, but uh, I think it's leading that way. I, I think so. I mean, again, I think maybe what they were maybe they're a little worried about bringing another full time cast member in. Maybe they were worried uh, about how he would be received. But I, I think, you know, if, if our little world is any judgment, I think I think it's been pretty overwhelmingly positive. Um, you know, most of us were fans of this actor from when he was on Angel. Um, so adding him in seemed like a no brainer. I totally agree with what Thomas is saying about um, feeling more like like. Mike Peters is an is an everyman in kind of our gateway in more so than Sky. I mean, the fact that he's just kind of like an average Joe, just trying to make ends meet. He's got a kid. It even though he's got this you know superpowers or he's got this you know he's been exposed to extremis, you still feel like he's just kind of a regular dude that's just trying to do good. Yeah, and it's interesting that he's still figuring it out. Yeah. Yeah. And he's humble and, you know, all that kind of stuff. He's not cocky or, you know, whatever. He's trying to, he's trying to earn his way in. So I, I, I definitely agree with that. You know, I thought of uh, something, seeing Mike suited up. And um, it's sort of like a comic book geeky thing. So a lot of people are not going to uh, probably know what I'm talking about. But wouldn't it be interesting if Mike became the new Power Man? Yeah, that'd be sweet. You know, if you put the goggles on him in that shield suit, he kind of looks a lot like the current Power Man. Yeah, and, and the yellow with the centipede kind of fits the motif because that character kind of wears that yellowish suit. Um, yeah, yeah, I totally buy it. And then he could show up on the Iron Fist Netflix TV show That's and everything cr- will be rosy. Yes, that would be awesome. Unless it's set in the 70s, which would be a good reason for him not to show up. Um, and, yes. And, yes. And amp up the awesome. Uh, we got a little bit of news after that. I, I that we could talk about that a little bit. Um, I guess after we do that, we do this uh, feedback segment. But uh, we got a few uh, updates on the Facebook page or the the Facebook group, I should say, um, facebook.com slash Shield TV Podcast. Um, so we kind of asked what everybody's thoughts on the bridge were, and uh, Victor said it was good. So I guess he was just kind of short and sweet to the point. Um, our buddy Daryl Taylor from the Taylor Network uh, said, seems to be improving. He wants more Agent May and maybe add a new agent to the show. Someone who is also a seasoned agent. Uh, so I guess he's wanting a little more experience on the team. Uh, he also thinks they need to change the time slot. Uh, you know, he, he uh, I guess you and him kind of had a an exchange about the ratings. Um, and, you know, he's, he's made the point that we talked about on, on this show as well. It's up against the most highly rated drama on television. Um, and, you know, maybe that is is a crutch for them. Maybe you figure, well, if we're coming in second place to NCIS, how bad, you know, could it possibly be as opposed to putting it on another night when maybe it might not fare so well against other shows? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, who knows what, what, the, what the strategy is behind that? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I kind of think that they were under the impression that because of the Avengers, that this was just going to be a huge smash, and they could probably boost a weak night with it, you know, rather than putting it, you know, prime time Thursday night or whatever the big slot is, you know, thinking it doesn't need that. Yeah, I don't- I really, I don't think, I mean, unless, I think the only things that would be worse is if they put it on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday night, because that's kind of like, you know, Friday night's kind of the kiss of death, but honestly, I don't think ratings-wise it would have made much difference if they put it on Monday, or Thursday, or Wednesday, or or whatever. I think, I I think this is probably where it's at, and, you know, where it's probably going to stay. I I don't really see any other night, like I said, uh, unless it was like, you know, the weekend, it really being any better or worse. I, th- I think this show is going to have the audience that this show is going to have. Um, and our buddy Callum Reavy, all the way from Australia, uh, said, My thoughts are that Channel 7 in Australia sucks. They decided not to air this episode as the rating season has already finished in Australia. That's bizarre. Yeah. Unless they're, because I mean, it's part one of a two-parter. So yeah. <laughs> unless they're going to air it at the end of the break rather than, you know, before the break. Yeah, maybe maybe Australia, maybe in the end they'll have it right. Maybe they'll do what we were talking about that they should have done, which is make it a two-parter and promote it as an event. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and they are from the future, so they'll be able to let us know. That's true. That is true. Um. So that's... That's pretty much all the feedback we got on uh, the Facebook uh, group, which is growing pretty steady. We're almost at 100 likes on the Facebook group. So if you listen to the show, and I know there's more than uh, 97 folks that listen to the show, uh, we thank you all. Um, you know, Head on over to Facebook.com slash Shield TV Podcast and like uh, the group. Also on Facebook, um, if you head on over and like what we do over here at HHWLOD.com, we have kind of a newly um, pulled together facebook page for the hhw lod podcast network that john has been um keeping up with like a madman um we're getting a lot of traction there we're kind of treating that page as kind of the main information source for the network so not just shield tv podcast but walking dead tv podcast long box of doom half hour wasted out now uh the black box all these these great shows that we have um so everything will be posted there as far as when uh things get announced and uh, John has been posting a bunch of uh, digital uh, I- iTunes or um, ultraviolet codes for various movies. So randomly, as we hit different like milestones, John's been throwing them out there. I think I've got a few laying around that I'll be uh, throwing into the mix. So you just, you know, definitely head on over and like that. It's facebook.com slash HHWLOD. Um, and like that page because you never know when you might be able to win some free swag or some free goodies, I should say. It's been a lot of fun throwing uh, throwing the codes up there and uh, you know hearing from people that grabbed a free movie out of it, which is cool. Um, and, and like Russ said, you know that's the that's the best thing to follow. We don't bombard it with uh, you know pictures of our cats or you know silly Facebook things. It's just basically gonna let you know everything that goes up on our site. So if a new show is posted, it's going to it's going to show up in that Facebook group and uh you know, we put big news there. 
we put some press releases in there today. I think I added uh, the new Walking Dead video game has a trailer. So, you know, we threw that video in there. Stuff like that. You know, it's not going to bombard your timeline with uh, a bunch of silly stuff. It's just sort of like our main news feed, you could call it. Yeah, definitely. And it feeds into Twitter. So if you want to follow the network on Twitter, it's uh, twitter.com slash HHWLOD underscore network. Um, so everything kind of flows back and forth from there. Um, and again, you can, you can hit the website at hhwlod.com, um, and you'll see all that stuff, not just the, the show articles and episodes, um, but also, you know, guest review stuff that we have Aaron Newworth, who's a pretty active member, uh, on the network with various shows, um, posts a lot of movie reviews and, and he gives his recaps on the walking dead. Um, and we've, we've had some other folks that have, uh, chimed in recently to do some, uh, reviews and, and give some, I guess, opinion pieces on, on various pop culture-y stuff. Uh, so check it out. So I, I guess the plan, you know, we have another month off here. Um, we haven't been able to play voicemails recently because of various tech issues. Uh, I think what we're going to try to do is when we get that ironed out before the show returns, maybe we'll pick a night when Brad can make it, and we'll get caught up on, you know, what he thinks about S.H.I.E.L.D. and what's going on, and we'll... We'll play some voicemails and, and uh, listen to some opinions all together. I think that's the way we're going to go for now. So what we're going to do is we're going to tell you, as usual, uh, if you do not watch previews for the next episode, if you do not want to have any spoiler information, it's all very uh, all very mild spoilers. We don't have any inside info, so we're just kind of using the preview and the synopsis and things like that as our guide. But uh, if you don't want to hear any of that stuff, you might want to sign off now, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Okay, the preview. Uh, what did you pull out of the very quickly cut? I'll tell you the one thing that stood out to me. The one thing that stood out to me was Sky wearing a shield uniform. Yeah, I that was... I don't know if you noticed that. that. No, that was definitely one thing that stood out. Um, to me, that wasn't the biggest thing, but that that was definitely I, that was definitely something that was high on my radar. Um, the- and I wonder how they go. You know, I, I'm wondering if it's all right. We're a man down without Ward, so we need to uh, sort of graduate you into the field. You know, I could see Ward in a hospital bed saying she's ready and convincing you know Coulson and May to to upgrade her or whatever. Yeah, it's possible. I, the one thing I got out of the preview more than anything was I, I'm leaning towards the fact that Colson is going to be off for a little bit. Like, I don't know that at the end of the next episode, he's going to be back based on the, on, on just the sheer volume of stuff they showed. It looks like maybe he's going to be gone for maybe two or three episodes. Um, and I could be totally wrong, but I just I, something gave me the impression that he's going to be out of commission on the Shield team for more than just one episode, right? Um, but yeah, it, it it almost seemed to me like the team is going to go a little bit off the grid. We saw that bit with Agent Hand where she's talking to Ward and says, you know, no agent is worth it, and he's like, no, Coulson is. And then we see Victoria, Victoria Hand, yes. Um, we see. Fitz and Simmons kind of having a little bit of back and forth about, you know, maybe it's time to, you know, just embrace, you know, doing something that may not be sanctioned. Um, and just like you said, you know, with Sky kind of suiting up, I, it makes me think that they're going to go a little rogue 
And and again, like we talked about in the in the show, I really think that's going to be the turn that pulls this team together. Um, it looked like we see a little bit more of May, um, and and not just behind the cockpit, but and not just standing with a scowl on her face. Uh, that she's it looks like maybe she's kind of taking the lead role since Coulson's out. Uh, so a lot of really cool stuff uh, going on, and they're really pushing the whole what happened to Coulson when he when he died. I mean, we see the body bag and. You know, he's he's kind of, uh, you know, got all these weird flashes of, of Tahiti and everything. And do you think that's wrapped up at the end of the two-parter, or do you think they stretch out what happened to Coulson, you know, through season one? I, I don't think it's wrapped up in the next episode. I think we're going to have really big insight into what's going on. I think, I think we'll be like maybe 70 or 80% there. Uh, I I want to say I read something somewhere from one of the EPs, one of the executive producers on the show on some website, and they said that by episode, I want to say like 16 or 17, that that pretty much is going to be wrapped up. That didn't make it, didn't seem to make you believe that it's going to, it's going to either carry on past the first season or wait until like the end of the season. That is definitely going to get wrapped up uh, ahead of time, you know, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, the next episode, though, on uh, January the 7th, episode 11, is actually called The Magical Place. Ooh. Yeah. So I'm looking forward Very to it. Very nice. Like I said, it seems yeah. like a lot of action. I uh, saw some stuff blowing up, some people kicking ass. Um, so, I, I, like I said, I think, I think it'll be I – th- I think there's a lot of cool stuff to come. One last thing. Do you, even though I've established that I don't care – do you have a gut feeling about where they're going with Sky's parents? No. Her mother, I should, I guess. No, I, I mean, re- it's I guess we've established she was an agent or is that hearsay? I don't remember if uh Colson and May confirmed that in their conversation. No, I mean Colson even said so Sky thinks that her mother was a shield agent. Um and Colson said no. It was pretty much a shield agent that dropped you off at the orphanage, but that doesn't mean that your mother was a shield agent. But I think I think Sky is convinced that she was, so I think that's still up in the air. Uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I I just I'm trying to think of what where they could possibly go with this that would bring any relevance to it. I mean, she doesn't seem to have like any kind of powers or any kind of, um, you know, clairvoyance or insight or anything like that to where, like, she seems like she would be a relevant player in that world. So, I don't know. I mean, I thought for a hot minute that maybe they were going to, they were saying that, that May was her mother. Um, but I I don't know. Yeah, I'm kind of at a loss. I don't, I, I... I just can't see how it fits in, like you said, with any relevance. Yeah, I mean, you know, sometimes on these shows when somebody has like a mysterious background or whatever, they have a relevant role to play in what's going on. Like they're 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 a key part or an essential piece to to the show or to the mystery or to whatever's going on. Or there's some there's some thing they bring, and I just don't see that with her. I mean, I just don't see where there's any there's any way they could tie her in. Um, that makes any of the other characters relevant. But I could be totally... I mean, 
it is Joss Whedon, so who you know who knows? Right. I guess the one other, if we're if we're done prognosticating on uh, on episode eleven and beyond, um, I've got one. I guess one piece of information or news related to Marvel TV in general is that it's been confirmed that Drew Goddard is going to be the uh, producer showrunner. I think he's directing the pilot for the Daredevil Netflix show. Sweet. And I think a lot of people were, myself included, were very happy about that. So, Yeah. 2015 is a long way off. Yeah. And before you know it, we'll be doing a podcast on it. So, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be here yeah. before you know it. Yeah, it's true. All right. So keep an eye out on the feeds and on your the various uh you know the website and the facebook and the twitter groups and we'll probably i'm, I'm gonna say we'll probably pop in at least once before the show returns in about a month yeah yeah probably once yeah hopefully we'll have brad with us and we'll uh we'll get caught up so until that time thanks for coming and uh we'll talk to you soon so long